This is Boom Goddess Radio, igniting inspiration in primetime women. We are Jennifer Davis-Page, Bebe Peters, and Dr. Andrea Gould. Welcome to Boom Goddess Radio. We had the privilege today of sitting and chatting with an amazing young woman, Sergeant Shelby Rochford. She's going to tell us her story, and we're going to be talking about women in the military. Thank you for joining us. Um, Andre Goldmark. And B.B. Peters in the background as the director of the episode. <laughs> and as you know, this is Jennifer Davis-Page. I was the first voice that you heard. And Shelby, welcome to our studio. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I did a little research, and I found I wanted to find out how many women there were in the military. And as I went through uh, my notes, it says that women only represent 14.5% of the entire military. And uh, on act and right now, currently on active duty, men and women is 1.4 million men and women that are serving our country. Now the breakdown is there in for women. There are 74,000 women in the army, 53,000 in the navy, 62,000 in the air force, and 14,000 in the marines. So that's the breakdown. Sounds about right. <laughs> okay. So, um, and I also heard a wonderful quote that said, it doesn't matter where you come from, but what you are made of. And you're made of the good stuff. And we so appreciate that. Uh, Shelby, tell us your story. Tell, tell us why you signed up. Okay. So I went to the University of Arizona for three semesters. It didn't work out. And so I was like, I want to further my career in the medical field. And I went and talked to an army recruiter and they got me set up on a beautiful path to become a combat medic. So I joined in February, 2016, went through basic training, AIT, which is advanced individual training. So that 16 weeks of training taught me everything I needed to know about being a combat medic. And then my first duty station was South Korea, (laughs) which was quite a shock. So. I'd never been out of the country, barely traveled to a few states, so it was quite the adventure to start it off with. I was there for one year, but it was a it was a beautiful, glorious adventure where I, I learned a ton about culture and everything I needed to know about the Army over there, met some amazing people. And then my second duty station was uh, JBLM, which is Joint Base Lewis-McChord, up in Washington near Seattle. And so I went to another medical unit and I continued learning there as well. And then out of the blue, I got an email from the West Point admissions office and it was like, you qualify and we'd love for you to apply. So I went through that application process and just recently got accepted and here we go. Oh, (laughs) congratulations. Congratulations. My goodness. So you had not applied to West Point. They just found you and... And right. decided to invite you? Yes, they seeked me out. And I was like, well, what is this email? And I decided to like go through with the process, and they accepted me. So, You know, that's exciting. so exciting about life. You can make your plans, but then life sometimes has other ideas. Indeed. And when it's a good idea, <laughs> that's really good fortune. You know, um, sh- uh, Jennifer did share your resume with us, and you didn't just 
get into the military. I mean, <laughs> when we go back over that resume, wow, we get to see what a what a competitive nature, what a winning. I'm, I've never seen so many prizes oh, listed <laughs> all at once. How did you? What was the what were the early years like with with being a competitive winner? in so many different sports. Oh, I just I just love sports and obviously competition. I've always been competitive whether it's at a board game or in an athletic competition. I just I love winning. So <laughs> that was that was always my mindset was just to go 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 and try to be perfect in every aspect I can. And so it led to a lot of awards and accolades. So it was great. <laughs> that that was amazing. I mean, it looked like you not only won but that there were leadership positions as far back as, was it before high school? Uh, or, for sure in high school, yeah, yes. For, for high school. Yeah. yeah. One so, leadership position after another. Yeah, it's just got to yeah. lead the way. <laughs> so, right. what, was the, what was the background that you grew up in that was so nurturing of a leader? What was it about the family that you grew up in or the culture? Oh, wow. What a question. Uh my mother was just wonderful and she always just let me like find my own path and like it just she was very nurturing and it led for me to want to bring happiness and to nurture others and combining that with my competitive nature and nurturing it kind of just blossomed into beautiful leadership so it was that was a wonderful upbringing from her so did you have role models that early in your life did you want to be like Anyone? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm sure I did. <laughs> There's always been so many, but uh, my mom was always one a great one to strive to be like because she brought so much joy to my life, so why not go for that? Wow. And then I'm sure there was, uh, like, athletic ones I wanted to be like, but, yeah, I, I remember from a young age, I always liked Steve Nash because he, he played professional basketball, but he also played soccer on the side, and those were two of my favorite sports. So he was a good one to look up to. So Did you have any friends in the military? that kind of gave you the idea that maybe I'll I'll knock on their doors and see if before this I joined before you joined yeah. uh, no I I really didn't so <laughs> it was just okay. kind of my own idea out of nowhere and they okay, fit the so, so now take us walk us slowly to you knocking on the army's door what 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 made you do that i mean what sent you there versus the navy or the air force or marines why why army oh why army uh i did i did a little research and they had like the biggest medical field out okay. of all of whether it was marines navy or anything like that and so in seeing that and seeing all the different opportunities that they provided there was a couple that really piqued my interest and so i went in and talked to a recruiter and he gave me the the full lay down and everything and it was the it was the best fit for me. I did I did go into the other recruiting offices, but the the army was best for me. So And did you sign up right away? How long did it take you after you spoke with the recruitment officer? How long did it take you to sign sign up? Uh it took me two months and it was actually it would have been quicker if I didn't need a waiver for my knee surgery and being allergic to pineapple. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> they weren't stationing you in Hawaii. No, no, no Hawaii for me. <laughs> so, all right. So now, South Korea. Yes, that was your first assignment. Sure was. Okay. Now, tell us. Let's walk us back to how do you get orders? How, I mean, does that come in the mail? Is it email, slow mail? How does the Army say your next stop, your first stop with us after basic training is 
South Korea. How did you get the news? So it's actually online. And so while I was at AIT, which is my advanced individual training for being a medic, uh, it was you have to log into this account and you check like every day because you want to know where you're going. So you get at a certain point in the training and you're just like on the computer, like, where am I going? Where am I going? And then it popped up South Korea. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay." (laughs) Did you have a place in mind that you really wanted to go to or it didn't matter to you? Oh, it, it didn't really matter. But I wasn't expecting Korea. I was expecting somewhere in the States. <laughs> okay. All right. And basic training was how long? Basic training was nine weeks. All right. And where was that? That was at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Okay. All right. And then you did that. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. Tell us about the day you got off the bus <laughs> at Fort Sill. Yes. So we actually, we arrived at Fort Sill rather late. And so it was, I think, around 11 or 12 p.m., And just one singular drill sergeant walks on the bus and he's like, what are you doing on your phones? And he just like got us into chaos. And so we all like stood up and got off the bus and they filed us into this building where they just started handing us uniforms. And then we were sitting in a classroom and we had to dump out all of our backpacks for our belongings and they had to search it. And they're like, nope, can't have this. And they just started like tossing things in the trash. And so we were very limited with what we could have. And then we got our uniforms. And from there, it was just like, it was very segmented and they knew where to put you and what to tell you. And it was just a very quiet day. I didn't say much. (laughs) How many women were on the bus, that bus with you? That is a good question. Uh, maybe five others out of a full 44 bus. Did you have one moment of reservation at any time during that journey? Oh, that's a great question. There was one day where it was absolutely freezing cold. We were out in the woods doing medical training at basic training and everyone was just like shivering and just it was torturous and we actually had a couple people quit that day and that was the day I was like if I was gonna quit it'd be today but I'm not gonna quit so (laughs) what an amazing adventure this has been um, listening to Shelby and hearing her unwind her story and the enthusiasm and the discovery process. Well, apparently she must have been very open and prepared for this because look at all that transpired. We'll be right back to pursue chapter two and chapter three. You know, so many young people just have no sense of where they belong or where they're going. Can we just go back to the beginning of that conversation when you did three semesters at college and knew right away that that wasn't what you wanted to do? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Take us back there. Okay, so I went from high school and I applied to the University of Arizona and my family moved down to Arizona, so it was a perfect fit. And I started studying anatomy and physiology. And I loved it. And because was, you knew you wanted to yes, go medical I've, I've to begin with. I've always wanted to go medical. I've, I've loved helping people, and it's fascinated me. And so my favorite class was actually the anatomy and physiology class that I got to took, which, like, the first two semesters, it's essentially your general education, so it, it wasn't very specific. But once I hit that anatomy and physiology, I loved it. And so the university just wasn't working out for me financially and a couple other reasons. And so I just needed a different path that still pursued the medical aspect. And so that's what led me to the Army and joining. And 
like a new adventure and getting discipline and still achieving all the goals I wanted to achieve. So it was just a little tangent, but a perfect little path for me. (laughs) So many people don't even realize that the military really holds a great educational path. They do, yes. Yeah, so you happen to figure that out pretty early. Yes, which was, I feel blessed, so (laughs) it was great. Have any of your girlfriends decided to uh, take your path? After seeing how successful you've been, have any of them said, I think I'm going to join the military? None that I know of, no. <laughs> they've, they've stayed to their own little path. <laughs> so, Well, tell me this. Would you recommend, if, if, if we have a listener who has a daughter that is not really knowing what to do, would you recommend the military to a young woman? I definitely would. I definitely would. There's, tell, there's, tell there's so many avenues within the military itself. If you don't even know what you want to focus on, like myself, how I knew medical, there's just such a broad spectrum. And then you're surrounded by absolutely amazing people that want to help you grow and help you learn and to help you succeed. And that's what the Army is just one big team. And we break down into a team of teams, as some of my leadership would say. And so we're always trying to build each other up and become successful, not only as individuals, but as a team together. All right. Now, I I like the story, Pat. Tell me now. Uh, Andrea's gotten you out of high school. We've gotten you out of basic training and we've got you on the way to South Korea. Tell us how much time did you have between basic training and actually leaving to go to South Korea? Okay, so basic training, I did my nine weeks there, mm-hmm. and then I did my 16 weeks at Fort Sam Houston for my medical training. Okay. Now, you so. said that was individual training. So was that almost like shadowing other doctors? Was it one-on-one instruction? Could you tell us a little bit more okay, about that? Okay, so basic training, you're in there with uh, every type of job in the Army. It's just everyone that joins the Army has to go to that. And then the advanced individual training is where you split up specifically into your jobs. And so everyone that did the 16 weeks with me, we were all medics. So that was okay. all focused with medics. And we had... Uh, staff sergeants and sergeant first classes that would teach us everything we needed to know. So we would go, we'd go to class every day uh, and they would teach us all that we needed to know. So not individually with doctors, but with other, the combat medics that have been through everything and know what we need to know. So it was medicine and surgery? Uh, not, not surgery per se. We're more of a tactical uh, and field environment. And so we're very uh, combat and quick care just to save a life to get it to a doctor. <laughs> so now, um, when you got your orders to go to South Korea and you went to, I'm assuming you left from Arizona or did you, where'd you leave from? Yeah, so I got lucky because I did, I did well in my uh, individual training. I got chosen for HRAP, which is Hometown Recruiting Assistance Program. So I got to come back here for two weeks in Arizona and help with uh, my recruiter who recruited me, help him get more people. And so I would go around and tell my story to those that were interested. And so I got an extra two weeks added before I had to go to South Korea. Did you talk to men and women or just women? What did they want you to do? Uh, Men and women. So we went to the high schools and anyone that like stopped by the table, we just I was like, hello, do you want to hear my story? (laughs) Maybe you'd be interested. So that's what I got to do for two weeks, and then I went out to South Korea. And how successful were you? How many how many men or and women did you recruit? Uh, there was two that were highly interested. One for sure went through and okay. uh, was a male. So, 
I'm so interested in your um, story and your ability to tell a story. Could you just do the first two or three sentences of the story that you would use as an introduction to people who really didn't know anything about being in the Army? I would say, hello, I'm Shelby. I was also in your position at one point, and I was at a point in my life where I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do, but the Army found me and was a perfect fit. And you're going to go through some trying times and it's going to push you to your limits, but it's 100% worth it. And you'll be rewarded exponentially compared to what you can do in the civilian life. You'll be surrounded by amazing people and amazing opportunities. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. I think I should sign up today. Is there an age limit? Is there an age limit? I think there is. <laughs> okay, so now we are um, at the airport on our way to South Korea. Yes. Did we go first class? Oh no, <laughs> far from it. <laughs> tell me what that. Tell me what the transport experience was like. Oh, just even the airport itself, because I have these two huge uh, army duffel bags that are full of all my gear and as heavy as can be. So I got one on my back and one on the front, and I'm just like waddling to everywhere I go. Finally get those checked in. It's super early in the morning. It's like 5 a.m. And there's just this long line and they just take it in order of how you get in line. And so no matter your height, no matter what, like you're just it's like bing, 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 all in a row. And so the tall people never get the emergency exit with the extra leg room. <laughs> it never works out. It's just the order of the line. And so we finally get on the plane. And it's got to be one of the longest flights ever. It was a it was a 15 hour flight. So 13, 13 hours was from Seattle to Japan. We stopped very quickly and then just uh, Japan to Korea. And it was like, boop, and got there in a couple hours. And the time difference, everything was just absolutely incredible. Nice. And did you arrive in Seoul? We yes, we did arrive in Seoul and then we got bus to Yongsan which is where the the main base up there is for everyone for reception. And how many miles were you on that bus? What is that? Uh, hundreds of miles or not a short distance? It was it was pretty short actually. It was okay. rather close to Seoul. So All right. And now you've gotten off the bus now and you're at your base. How many were you looking for other women? Were you looking Were there any women on the plane? Let me ask that. Uh, yes, there was a few. There okay. was a few. So the majority now, is always male, though. <laughs> of course, of course. When you got to the base, your final destination, um, were there women there already? Were there some women there? Yes, I was looking around, and there was. And so we, we got to the base, and then they bus us to the barracks, which mm -hmm. we have to stay in for reception no matter your rank. Mm -hmm. And so they separate you by gender there. And so the first floor was all females, and then the other four floors were all males. How quickly is the bonding with your female buddies, with male buddies, how does that how does that happen? How quickly it's, do you feel well supported? It's uh, it's very quick actually, which is surprising but wonderful. So uh, the I had a roommate in there. I didn't know her rank at the time because we were both still in civilians, and we just we instantly bonded right away. We're like, oh my goodness, we're in Korea. And then I was I was a PFC at the time, a private first class, and she was a sergeant, and I didn't know, but we it was an instant connection, and I still talk to her today. So what a relief! Was, yes, right? definitely that bonding can be. And then from from Yongsan, we got specific orders because there's four different areas in Korea you can go to. There's area one, two, three, and four. And I got sent down to area four. And so, which is the furthest south is what that means. And so I got sent to Camp Walker. And so it, that was just another bus ride, which was much further than the one from the airport. Mm -hmm. And so 
you're just sitting uncomfortably on a bus with all of your gear and everyone's squishing because there's so many bags, so many people. And then <laughs> I'll never forget that uh, one of my sergeants, when I got off the bus, she was like, you look like a deer in headlights. You were <laughs> terrified. <laughs> and I was like, yep, I sure was. <laughs> so. All right. So then now you get to um, camp. Camp Walker? Camp Walker, Camp yes. Walker. That's my considered final destination. Now, your roommate, did she? is she traveling with you? Are you still roommates with her, or was that just the first part of this? That was just for the first couple weeks for okay. reception. She went to a different area. All right, so now you're in, in, in Walker. What happens now? You get... Oh, hold that thought. What happens now? We love those questions. And we're just going to take a moment, pause, and be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Boom Goddess Radio. This is B.B. Peters coming to you from Tucson with my adorable, sweet co-hosts, Jennifer Davis-Page and Dr. Andrea Gould. And we're talking to Shelby, a relatively new career woman in the Army. And it reminds us so much about the saying that goes, "When when one door closes, another one opens. And that has been her life so far. Welcome back, Shelby. Thank you. <laughs> uh, now, we're in, for, we're in Camp Walker. You're getting off the bus and you go into a barracks and you get assigned a, a room and another roommate? Yes, that roommate had already been there for a couple months, so she knew her way around and she uh, sponsored me is what they call it. So Very she nice. showed me everything I needed to know. And it was it was an interesting setup because uh, there were very small bases in Korea. And so I lived on one called Camp Henry, and it was about a 10-minute bus ride away from Camp Walker where I worked. So every day I was reliant on the bus schedule, and it was like boop, boop, boop in mm-hmm. between each one of them. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was quite the system over in Korea. <laughs> and, you know, describing the culture and the support that you get. I mean, so many young people feel so unsupported. So one of the other great benefits beside the education is just the support, the social support. I mean, you really belong. Oh, absolutely. When you're in the service, you really belong. How do you envision using your leadership in the future? You're going to have four years at West Point which I assume you're going to start in August. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What a beautiful experience compared to the, oh, <laughs> compared to the barracks <laughs> and the forts and the food. <laughs> so what do you envision for yourself? What is your plan, if you will? Okay. Well, I already know I'm going to be a little bit older than everyone that usually goes in, and I'm going to be considered a prior because I'm prior enlisted. So we're pretty, we're pretty rare at West Point. Usually people go straight out of high school. So I'm already going to be a couple years older and already have the Army background as experience. And so I just want to use that to help others learn and grow as as I do myself. So you're going so, to be a mentor straight off. Exactly, exactly. I already know I'm going to go into that role because I have <laughs> just have a feeling. And so the, the maturity and the experience that I have is definitely going to be a huge factor in the leadership that I get to have at West Point. So and visions for the future when you get out? What is is it predetermined where you're going to go? It's not predetermined. It's actually uh, competitive in nature at West Point. So the better you do, the more likely you are to get to choose the branch that you want to commission to. And of course, I want to commission in the medical branch. So (laughs) uh, I'm just gonna try to do the best I can and get that and 
that's the path I want to take is to be a medical officer. And I had a lot to I had a lot of officers to look up to when I was enlisted. And so I'm excited to keep following those footsteps. Wow. Now, as a PFC, you were a PFC and then you became a sergeant pretty quickly, did you not? Yes, it was it was very quick. Actually. Tell us about that path. Uh, I so all of my ranks have been wavered, which means that you show potential and leadership qualities for the next rank higher than what you're being paid for. And so I, since I had college credits, I came in the army as a PV2 instead of just a private. And then at basic training, since I was uh, the platoon guide, which is that the leadership role uh, for all nine weeks there, I got a waiver to become a private first class. And then while in Korea, I showed my potential once again and got a waiver right on the day that I could to become a specialist. And then I went to Fort Lewis and I got a waiver to go to the sergeant promotion board, which is one of the things you have to do to become a sergeant. And so I got a waiver to go in there early because I showed potential to be a sergeant. And so all of my ranks have been wavered up and uh, in just... Just under two and a half years, I went from a private to a sergeant, which is pretty phenomenal. <laughs> so I know people that had a private private first class, and they've been in. Yes, <laughs> some people do their whole career as a specialist. So <laughs> now, once you get to West Point, do you automatically become a second lieutenant, or do you, or is that at graduation? How does that work? No, you're considered you're considered a cadet for the four years you're there. Okay, and then once you graduate, you commission, which is when you become a second lieutenant. That's, so so you have to go through all four years and all that training, and then you get to commission. That's so exciting. And then you're an officer. Yes. So your potential shows. So how old were you when you realized that your potential was already encoded in your behavior, even without learning further? Oh, wow. Uh, I, th I think in my, my teenage years, I, I saw that I wanted to strive for more and that people around me were supportive and they could see my potential as well. And so I just always wanted to push the limit and see how far I could go. And my ceiling hasn't stopped yet, so no. I'm just going to keep climbing. <laughs> no. How fabulous to have it so apparent. So many people have to dig for it. Oh, yes. You know? I mean, there was definitely tenacious moments where I had to dig within myself and find, like, my potential and everything, but... Sometimes we see that basic training is designed to break you down. 100%. Yeah. Um, did that happen to you while you were in basic training? Did they try to break you down? Oh, they try to they try to break everyone down. And it's 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 not how you get broken down. It's how you recover. It's Correct. how you get back up. Yes. And so the big thing about basic is forming a team and like the knowing that everyone around you is your family. And so if you if you're getting like breakdown then everyone around you is too so the best way is to just lift each other up and just keep going at it as a team instead of as an individual because if you if you're not going as a team you're you're going to fail at basic and that's that's what happens when people quit so right. they do. so that's like the major lesson of being in the military yes is that it's a team <laughs> i don't want you to think for a minute that this is going to be the last time we have a conversation because we the boom goddesses are going to be tracking your career okay. and keeping our listeners informed as to uh, how wonderful your career has has become tell me what's your end goal now you now let's fast forward four years you've you're a graduate of West Point you're a second lieutenant in the army where do where do you want to go from here from there is uh 
another duty station as a medical service officer. And so I'll be in similar units that I have already been in, but instead I'll have that leadership role as a lieutenant. And so then from there, I just want to continue to grow and promote as an officer and hopefully one day just have a be in command of a unit and then just continue to climb and maybe one day reach that general status that you call me. There's no question <laughs> about it. You'll be a general. So if you had a message for women based mm. on your military service so far and also the clarity with which you can see the steps, because in lots of other places and careers, you don't know what the, it's not as structured. So you can see how high you can go. What could you say to women about what it means as a woman to achieve in that environment that has so, for so many years been solely masculine? Absolutely. So you may be questioned because of your gender, but never let that stop you. Just prove to them your worth without a doubt. And they, they can do nothing but help you succeed because you've, you've earned it just as rightfully as they have. Did you get any chauvinist pigs along the way in terms of, of young men that didn't think that you had what it took to be there like they do? Oh, of course. There, there always is a few. But then you just prove them wrong because you just... You <laughs> because just out- you're Shelby. <laughs> yes. You just outdo them in every way and then, they're, then they respect you and you're like, you're welcome. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so don't doubt me because I, I will prove you wrong. So That's, that's absolutely amazing. One of the beauties of being an observer is that you can allow the words of our guests to affect us in a deeper level. And the words that stuck with me are that you can't help but be broken down. Everybody gets broken down, but it's how you get up. That's what matters, right? So to know that lesson at the age that Shelby is, it's such a gift. It's so worth that repeating. And it's a life lesson. It's a life lesson, mm-hmm. and it really speaks to the importance of each of us who is not in the military, how important it is to have a team, how important it is to have a support system. And I think one of the hardest, hardest um, lessons is that when people leave the military, perhaps they don't go as high as you're going to go, but they leave and they go back to school and they don't have that support system anymore. We can see that from the veterans that Dr. Marks, my husband, works with at the U of A, we can see how difficult that transition can be. What we need to take with us is how important it is for all of us to to create that support system on our own. That's the number one resiliency factor. Absolutely. Well, Shelby, we are so grateful that you joined us today. Are there any final comments that you would like to leave to the world as you move into your next tier and layer of fantastic experiences? Always lift others up and stay optimistic. There's always good somewhere. And just thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy for all of us. Now, uh, to our listeners, as I've just said, we're going to be tracking Sergeant Rochford and we will let you know how her career is doing. And whenever you come back to town and you want to come in and say hello and give us an update, just let us know. Oh, absolutely, I will. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much. So much Thank you. This was a joy. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess, 
We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.